You guys okay? You ready? I, I'm really. I'm trying not to get too excited, Ken. Ken didn't realize how long we have known each other. He, he was accurate in terms of my time with Crossroads, but he had forgot that 19-year-old kid that came up to him when he was home on. Sorry. Woo. We're okay. We're okay. When I was struggling with my calling, went to Crossroads Noonan, and I, don't, I was like, I don't, I've never seen nothing like this before. I've never heard anything like this before. It was in 1998. And I was like, but this is what I want to be a part of. And what blew my mind was how big that church was. And yet there, that pastor of that big church stood right over there and was completely accessible to everybody, anybody who wanted to come up and spend time with him. And so I walked up and he took all the time in the world with me a number of times after that and really made an impact on me. So I'm excited to hear from you today, to have you here. Would you all do me a favor and let's glorify God in honoring his, one of his pastors and welcome Ken Adams to the stage. Thanks, man. Woo, that's bright, man. All right, man. So uh, uh, it's exciting to be here. Honestly, it is, uh, it is beyond exciting uh, to be able to be here. And so uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to come and to be here today and share a few things uh, with you from God's Word, a little bit from some uh, experience that we had. And uh, uh, Justin, thanks, man. I appreciate everything you said. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really cool today uh, for us to be here. By the way, uh, I brought some folks with me from Crossroads. Uh, this is Alan Murray right here. This is uh, Gary and Peggy Cachessa. They live in Rootville. How about that, man? And so, uh, so anyway, these guys have been uh, part of our church for a long time. They just came over uh, just to, uh, uh, just not, I just told them not to heckle me is all I said, man. So, uh, uh, but anyway, you guys, uh, uh, you guys are, I, I could pick up already, y'all are, y'all are fairly interactive with the speaker, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so I always tell everybody at our church, man, so the, the more you amen, the faster I preach. <laughs> Clear, clearly, you don't get the, the more you amen, the faster I preach. That's what I thought you would say. So, uh, so anyway, really and truly, I am, uh, I am, I, I've been so excited about this day and being able to be here, and uh, again, if you didn't catch it, I'm Ken, Ken Adams, I'm the pastor at Crossroads Church in Noonan, and uh, I'm so excited to be here because this is the very first time uh, that I get to see one of our grandchildren, and you say, like what? And so, uh, so you are our granddaughter church, uh, we planted Crossroads Church Douglasville, and they planted uh Cross uh, Generations Church now, and so uh, you guys are actually a granddaughter church of ours, and I, I am just so excited that I get to be here and hang out with y'all. In fact, when I walked in the door, uh, Justin was so quick to introduce me to his granddaughter, and so uh, uh, so I kind of get this idea that, uh, you know, this is a special thing. I'm actually going to have uh, my very first grandson in May. How about that, man? And so... Uh, I am so looking forward to that. Everybody tells me that there's nothing like it, and so I'm about to find out here uh, in a few months, but uh, it is so good to be here. I've known uh, Justin, I guess, longer than I thought I did, but uh, uh, actually, uh, I first thought that we connected at uh, Crossroads Douglasville, and then he was at uh, Crossroads in Jackson County for a little while, weren't you, man? And so uh, I just want you to know, you have, you already know this, you have a great pastor. You know that, don't you, right? In fact, yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping you were going to do that because if you weren't, I was going to ask you to because let me tell you something. Uh, there, there isn't a pastor on the planet that ever, ever gets too much encouragement. Let me just tell you that. Uh, they never do. And how many of you know uh, leading a local church is a tough job, isn't it? 
And so I'm so excited for y'all. Y'all have a great pastor. He's a man of God, and the uh, Lord's working in his life. And so uh, uh, really excited to be a part of what you're doing here, man. So uh, I, I did ask Justin, and I said, uh, uh, what is it you want me to, to say? What do you want me to speak on when I come? And he said, well, whatever you do, don't do a longhorn sermon. I was like, what the heck is a longhorn sermon? He said, you know, two points and a bunch of bull in between. And so uh, uh, I thought, well, I'm in trouble because I do have two points, but uh, uh, not going to be a whole lot of bull, I hope. And then, uh, but then again, some of these people might say that it is. Uh, and, and so I said, well, how about I preach a comment sermon? And he said, what is that? And I said, it's eye-opening, dazzling, and over before you know it. <laughs> he said, that might be good. So, uh, uh, so actually, I, I'm just messing with you, but actually, let me tell you what he did say. This is really what he, the reason he asked me to come. He said, I want you to share, I want you to share the story of Crossroads and the story of what we call Impact Ministries. Because Impact Ministries is a disciple-making ministry that comes out of uh, Crossroads Church in Noonan. And so uh, I'm really excited today to share that with you. Just kind of, I'm going to tell you a, a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, I'm going to take you to God's Word. But I'm going to tell you uh, from God's Word a little bit about the story of Crossroads Church and a little bit about the story of why we started this thing called Impact Ministries. And I'm going to kind of walk you through a little bit of that uh, as we go here. But I told him, I said, well, if I do that, you do know it's going to take about two days. <laughs> he, he said, let's go back to that comment sermon for a minute, man. So uh, let's get this done a little bit faster than that. So I'm going to try uh, really hard to sum it up in, uh, in just a little bit of time here that we have this morning. But we're going to turn to God's Word, right? Because you always want to open God's Word and see what it has to say, right? You don't really need my opinion. You really need to know what the Word of God says. So turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Turn to Matthew. Uh, you're going to want to find your place in chapter 16. Now, we're going to look at one verse. That's all we're going to need today. Uh, but it's going to be a jumping off point for everything else we're going to talk about. And so, uh, so when Justin said, I want you to just share, uh, he, he literally said, I want you to share the story of Crossroads Church, and I want you to share the story of Impact Ministries. And here's what i got to be honest with you about is that our story is, our, is just God's story. I mean, it really is. I mean, I can't tell you that it's our story because we're just a part of a bigger story. We're just a part of a bigger picture. And how many of you know that you are too? I mean, you really are. You, you do have an individual story, but your story is a part of his story, and, and it's a part of a much bigger story than any of us have uh, on our own. And so uh, we are all so excited that we get to be a part of something so much bigger than this. In fact... It didn't start with us, and it didn't start with y'all. It actually started with Jesus 2,000 years ago when he has this conversation with one of his disciples named Peter, and he makes a statement that has literally become his story. It has become his story for the last 2,000 years, and it is still what God is up to in the world today. I hope you know this verse. I'm sure Justin's preached on it a time or two. In Matthew uh, chapter 16, Verse 18, do we have that on the screen? There it is. Here he goes. And here's what he's saying. This is uh, uh, Peter's confession, and he says, uh, Jesus is asking them, who do they say that I am? And they go through a little conversation. And then in verse 18, Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter. You're the little rock, and on this rock, speaking of himself, I will build, say it's with me, what? Say it a little better than that, my what? Yeah. And I will build my church and then I love this next part, and the gates of hell will not what? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is an incredible verse, you know? I, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it preached on, I'm sure you studied it a little bit, but there's a couple things uh, that just jump off the page to me that are, are not really about what I'm going to say here today, but I just got to tell you this. The first thing is, is that this verse clearly tells us is that God's chosen vehicle to change the world and get the gospel to the world is the local church. 
I mean, it's you and it's us and it's all the churches. It's not just, it is the big C church, but it's also the little C church. And this is what's so cool. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. I've got a plan. I've got a vehicle. I've got a mechanism. I've got a way that we're going to reach the world. We're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. I love the second thing here. Is that not only does he say that, that the church is the chosen vehicle to change the world, but he also, I love this part, is that he says the church ought to be on the offensive, not the defensive. Because he says that the gates of hell will not what? So here's the cool thing. What are gates? Are they offensive or defensive? They're defensive, man. You know what gates do? Gates protect. So here's what that means, is the church ought to be on the attack. I should have gotten an amen right there. The church ought to be on the attack today. Amen? Man, we ought to be charging the gates of hell as far as I'm concerned. So that's, that's just, that's, that's what Jesus is saying here. Is it, this is my, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to, I'm going to choose a vehicle. I'm going to choose a vessel to use. And here's what we're going to do is that we're going to take on hell and we're going to charge the gates of hell. And so, uh, so what I want to do is give you really and truly, I'm going to give you two points here. I'm going to give you uh, two observations from this verse that I think all of us need. And here's what I'm going to do this because I really believe this is going to intertwine into who we are and who you are and what God wants us to do and how your church moves forward because I believe that God's got some really exciting things ahead for your church. I really do. So here's the first thing. Write this down if you can or just put it in your phone or something like that. The first thing I want you to see is this. Very clearly from this verse, the number one thing that it says is this, is that the church belongs to Jesus and it is his idea. The first thing is this, is that the church belongs to Jesus and it is his idea. And you say, well, why is that so important? I'll tell you exactly why, because y'all know this is true, is it doesn't take very long for us to begin to think that the church belongs to us and it is our idea. Now, how many of you know, as soon as we make that mistake, we're in a world of hurt, aren't we? The church is not ours. The church doesn't belong to us, and it wasn't our idea to begin with. And so here's what happens. Is, in fact, I, sometimes I have people say this. I bet they say this about you too. Is that they'll say, I've been going to your church. I just cringe when I hear that because it's not my church. I just happen to be a part of it. I just happen to have a role in it. But guess what? It's not my church. It's his church, and he can operate in any way he wants to. And so we need to stop trying to make it what we want it to be and let it be what he wanted it to be. And we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit, talk about what is the church really supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like, because it is absolutely not our church. And you know what the opposite of that is? There's two big problems with this, is that when we forget what Jesus said, when we forget that he said, I will build my church, then we begin to think it's about us and it's our idea and that we can do what we want to, or we do the exact opposite and we begin to think, that you know what, we'll just give up on it. We'll just give up on it, and guess what? And it's not such a good idea to start with. Well, I got news for you. A lot of times, listen, a lot of times people in church will let you down, but the idea of church belongs to God, and you cannot give up on it. I know a lot of marriages that have failed, but I hadn't got, you know, I hadn't given up on marriage. You know why? Because it's God's idea. So even though we don't work it, it still works. So we just got to remember that the church really is God's idea and that he has a plan for it. Because here's what Jesus said, I will build what? It's his. And he's got a plan to build it. This is unbelievable. This idea of how Jesus created this thing called the church is really one of the, it is honestly, it is 
one of the most incredible concepts in all the world because there's nothing like it. There's nothing else like it anywhere. There's some things that have been kind of copies of it, but there's nothing like it. Think about what the church is. In fact, I got to tell you that the local church is one of the best apologetics for the existence of God that exists in the world. You know what an apologetic is? It's evidence or proof that God, one of the best evidences that God exists is this thing called the local church. You say, what do you mean by that? Think about this idea of the local church. The local church is little bitty pockets of people. Some of them are bigger than others. It doesn't matter how big they are, but he's got little bitty pockets of people that are all around the globe. They're in every single place around, every single continent and around the world. And you got these little pockets of people that are made up of very different people. Amen? All different personalities, all different gifts, all different languages, all different backgrounds, all different abilities, all different, I mean, it's so diverse, and yet we are all put together in these little bitty pockets around the world, and we all should have the exact same mission, the exact same strategy, the exact same values. We ought to all share the exact same beliefs. We ought to all have the exact same results, and that is to make disciples of all nations. Someone, somebody. That's it. That's it. That is, that is what the church ought to be. But how many of you know that's not what it is? And I know some of you are thinking, that sounds more like McDonald's than it does like a church. I just heard this last night. I was watching The Weakest Link. <laughs> I, I, I ran out. Of, there, obviously, there weren't any good football games on, right? I'm watching the weakest link. And here's what they said. What is the one continent in the world that doesn't have a McDonald's? Anybody have an idea? You watched it too, didn't you, man? Uh, y'all are as pitiful as I am, man. Antarctica. Antarctica. <laughs> They'll probably put one there soon, won't they? Unbelievable. Can I just tell you this? I'm not so sure that they hadn't done a better job of making hamburger eaters of all nations than we have making disciples of all nations. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But, but here's the deal. Is that the church belongs to Jesus. This is the idea. And yet, guess what? Is that I'm afraid that what we've done is we begin to think it belongs to us and that we have a better idea of how to operate than he does. I really do. I think that we've come to this idea. So people ask me all the time, say, Ken, why do you think that the church in North America is not more like Jesus wanted it to be? Why are we not a movement of multiplying disciples? Here's what I really believe. I believe that we have more of a consumer mindset than we have a contributor mindset. I think what's happened is that we've turned church into something that exists for us rather than us existing to reach the world for Christ. We've forgotten that we are that we are that vehicle that God has chosen, and we've forgotten what our mission is. We've forgotten so many things. So let me tell you a little bit about our story at Crossroads. So um, I had a little bit of this problem of thinking the church was, uh, was not working anymore, and I'd kind of given up on the church. I'd really and truly, I'd, I grew up in church. I've been in church. I mean, my, you know that deal about having parents that have a drug problem? You ever heard that, you know? Is it, you know, I was drugged to church from a kid, you know? So, uh, yeah, I got a mom and daddy who had drug problems. They were dragging me to church since I was born. And, um, and, and so I, I grew up in church, and I got to a point where my life, kind of in my college years, I sort of just gave up on it. I thought, this is not working. This is, there's too much bureaucracy, too much, you know, drama. I don't have anything to do with this. I, I, I wanted Jesus, but I didn't really want the church. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I kind of gave up on it all, and then, 
And then um, over a period of events, I was, I was actually going to school. I went to Georgia State University. I was going to be a teacher, and I was going to be a coach, and that's what I wanted to do. And God said, no, nah, you know what? Is it just because you hadn't seen the church work in your settings doesn't mean it's still not my idea. It belongs to me, and I got a plan for it. And God's got a great sense of humor, doesn't he? Because when you decide you give up on something, he's got something, he's got a different plan for that. And so I eventually kind of gave in. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do what you called me to do. I knew, I knew he was calling me to ministry because, like I said, I, I, didn't get, I wouldn't give up on Jesus. I'd just given up on the church. I was very involved in what we call Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I was serving some, doing some Bible studies, and I was doing some discipleship. I was doing a lot of ministry. I just wasn't doing it really in the church because I'd just kind of given up on it. And God said, you know what, i got a better plan for you. And so I knew he was calling me to ministry, and I knew that I needed it. And that day, I needed to go to seminary because I needed to get trained. You can do a lot of that differently now. You can do it online, all kinds of things. But I knew I needed to go. So I went to seminary out in uh, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. I went to a place called Southwestern Seminary. But I told God I'd, three things before I went. I said, God, here's the deal. I'll go to seminary under three conditions. <laughs> you do know what happens when you give God your conditions, right? He just laughs at you. Here's what I said. I said, God, number one is that I don't want to be a lead pastor. I could think of nothing more boring than that. I said, whatever you do, don't let me be a lead pastor of a local church. Number two, uh, I don't want to be in a Baptist church. And number, and number three, I don't want to be in the South. But when you sound like this, this is where you fit. Let me just tell you. Man. It's just, I mean, I'm made for this, right? So I told God, I said, three things I don't want to be. Lead pastor in a Baptist church in the South. And so whenever you tell God what you're not going to do, prepare to spend the next 35 years of your life doing that. Can I tell you something? I'm so thankful God won because I have been on the ride of a lifetime. I really have. It's been amazing because we've just been able to start a church. And in fact, somebody asked me one time, said, what's that like, man? What's that like when you get to say, you know, that you had actually started a church and you've been there that long for 35 years? I mean, really, to me, it wasn't any big deal. It's just what I've been called to do, and that's what I'm doing. But somebody said, what's that like to have been in a church that long that you planted? I said, well, all I know is that all the problems we have are my fault. <laughs> so I can't, I can't blame on anybody else, can I, Justin? And so uh, everything we've done wrong has been my fault. I've let it happen. But, uh, but, but here's what I can tell you. It's been, it's been incredible. In fact, uh, one of the things that really shaped our church years ago, really shaped me, honestly, is that I had somebody that said to me, he was a, he's a, a friend of mine, and he was actually part of a, a really a global, global ministry of disciple-making. I mean, he wasn't in a church, but he was a part of a disciple-making ministry. And I'll never forget, this is incredible. This is what he said to me. Is that he said to me one time, he said, you know what? He said, I don't know. And this guy has been influenced in disciple making around the world. And he says this. He said, I don't know of one single church in North America that is actually a movement of multiplying disciples. And I just went, oh, my gosh. The very thing, check this out. The very thing that Jesus came to do, there's not one church in North America that he knows of that is doing that. That is actually what we call a movement of multiplying disciples. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. You'll know what that means when you leave here. There's not one single church in North America. So I took that as a personal challenge. And when he said there's not one single church to do that, I, first of all, I thought, what a sad commentary in the Church of Jesus Christ in, in North America. Because there are other places in the world where the church is a movement of multiply. In fact, China is one of the places where it's happening the most. And it's all happening underground. They can't do what you're doing right now. And you have so much to be thankful for. They can't meet like this. They don't have places like this. And so... Uh, when he said that, I thought, well, you know what? We're going to do everything we can to figure that out. We've been swinging at it. 
We've been swinging at it for 35 years. I'll be honest with you. I can't tell you that we've figured it out. We don't have the secret sauce. We don't have the, the magic formula. We don't, we don't have the, uh, it, it, you know, everything figured out. But I will tell you this, is that we've been swinging at it for 35 years, and we're going to keep swinging at it as hard as we can. Because I do believe that Jesus started the church. He built his church, and it belongs to him, not us. And we got to figure out how to do it the way he wanted to do it. Now, we have made some progress. We haven't made, we are not a movement of multiplying disciples, but I will tell you this, is that I've seen more multiplication happen in our church in 35 years than I have my entire life before that. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, let me just tell you this. So we start, so I got there, I got to Crossroads, I, I graduated from seminary and came and there was a little small core group that was meeting, and I came as the first pastor, and we had 65 people in June of 1989, and now we have had thousands of people in fact, this weekend we'll have four services in three different campuses over at Noonan, and we've seen thousands of people's lives change. And I will tell you this, I know for a fact that we have gone from one church in Noonan, Georgia, to a church in Douglasville, and to a church in Carrollton, and to a church uh, in uh, Jackson County, and to a church in South Fulton, and we've planted a church in Bindings, and we've helped plant a church in Staten Island, and we've planted a church in Cartersville, and we planted a church in South Carolina called Bufton uh, community church, Brid no, Bridge Church, I'm sorry, in Bluffton, that's right. And then we started a church uh, in, um, in LJ, and we started a church in, uh, uh, in, um, in Walton County, we started churches in India, we started churches in the Republic of Georgia, we started churches in Cambodia and Kosovo and Brazil and Serbia and Montenegro. I'm not sure that we're a movement of multiplication yet, but we're swinging at it. Now, here's what's crazy. This is what's crazy, is that we have forgotten that the church is God's idea. It belongs to him, and he wants it to work the way he wants it to. Now, one of the things that's happened since I've been at Crossroads, I've had the opportunity to travel uh, in some different countries, and I, I never dreamed I'd do that because I'm, I'm a homebody. I mean, I'm a homebody. I like, I like to eat the same food. I like to sleep in the same bed. I like to shower in the same shower. I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? I just, I just, I'm a homebody. I really am. But I've had the opportunity to go to some different countries. I've been able to go to Brazil. I've been able to go to Mexico. I've been able to go to the Philippines. I've been to Serbia. I've been to Albania. That's across the ocean, not in South Georgia. I've been to, uh, I've been to, uh, I've been to so many, I've been to Alabama. I've been to so many foreign countries, man. And you know what I do every time I get a chance to go somewhere? So, you know, you, when you go, it's, you, you have to eat the food, Right? whether you like it or not. And so whenever I get ready to come home and I get to the airport, I always want a little bit of taste of home, and so I always look for a McDonald's. Now, here's what's crazy. I never eat at a McDonald's when I'm here, but whenever I get to an airport, when I'm coming back home or I get there, I always want to try to find a McDonald's, and I always want to just have a little taste of a Big Mac. And you know what's crazy? Is that this is really, really true. You know this is true. They make a Big Mac the exact same way all around the world except for one place, and that's in, in, in Israel because they can't put cheese on it because it wouldn't be kosher. And so everywhere else around the everywhere, everywhere, except the Antarctica, by the way, the Antarctica in Israel, they make a Big Mac the same way. Anybody know how they make a Big Mac? I said you, were got, you guys were very interactive. How do you make a Big Mac? Well, you're mumbling it, but I, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. Two all-beef patties. Two 
I just had to get you started, didn't I, man? Unbelievable, man. You know what? This is unbelievable. How many, anybody here work in McDonald's? Anybody know that? Yeah, one person, okay. And they didn't even say anything. This is what's incredible, is it because of some really good marketing, <laughs> because of some really but everywhere you go, people, just about everywhere you go, people know how to make a Big Mac. I've never done, I've never spoken at a place where somebody didn't know how to make a Big Mac. But yet, if you go to five churches within five miles of this church and ask them, how do you make a disciple, guess what? They have no clue. We got to do better. We got to do better. The second point that I want you to see is not only does the church belong to him and he wants it the way it's his idea, but the second thing is this, is that the church was built to be a disciple-making movement and it was designed that way to change the world. Let me just say that again because I want to make sure it sinks in. Is that the church, not only is it his idea and that he wants it that way, but here in his idea, not only was it, does it belong to him and it's his idea, but the church was built to be a disciple-making movement and designed to change the world. Now, here's what you got to understand is that when Jesus built the church, it was very different than our current version. 1.0 is very different than 2024.0. <laughs> it's very different. Because Jesus, listen to this, I want you to get this because you're going to miss everything I say if you don't get this, is that when Jesus started his church and he built it and he designed this church to be the mechanism, to be the vehicle to get the gospel to the entire world for everybody in every nation, every generation to be able to know about Jesus, when he built this thing, he created it to be a movement of multiplying disciples. He did not. He did not create it to become a movement of addition, but in almost every place that we know of, it has become addition instead of multiplication. I like to say it like this. I say this every time I get an opportunity to go uh, with what we call impact ministries and teach and train. I always like to say this. Is that I heard somebody say this years ago, and I think it is so true, that Jesus started the church the way he wanted it, and now he wants it the way he started it. I got news for you. Is that when Jesus started the church, 2,000 years ago, he wanted to be a movement of multiplying disciples that was going to grow so rapidly, it was going to grow exponentially. It was literally, when Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, he wasn't just saying, this is a good idea. He literally meant do that. He literally meant you could do that. If you did it, it will happen if you do it his way. So we got to remember that it's his church and that he built it a certain way and we've got to do our part to get back to the way he built it and we've got to figure out how does the church get back to becoming a movement of multiplication, not just a movement of addition. And you say, why is that? Because one day we're going to stand and we're going to give an account for that. You know what, if you're the CEO of a shoe factory and you have to give a report to the board and they say, well, how many, how did it go this year? And you say, well, man, it was incredible. We had, we had the best attendance that we've ever had. They're going to say, that's great, but how many shoes did you make? And you say, well, man, we have, we have the safest record. We have the best safety record we've ever had. And they're going, nobody's getting hurt. Nobody's, nobody's gotten damp, you know, gotten injured or anything. They'll say, well, that's great. We're glad you have a good safety record, but how many shoes have you made? And, and then they're going to say, you're going to say, well, we, we've got the, uh, we got the cleanest factory we've ever had. It's beautiful. You ought to come look at it. And, 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 and the board's going to say, well, that's great. We're glad you got a clean plant, but we really want to know how many shoes did you make. And then you say, well, you wouldn't believe the morale. I mean, everybody loves working there. We got a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Come on. We got it. And they love working for me. And he's going to say, oh, that's great. 
But how many shoes did you? So guess what? One day we're all going to stand before the Lord because you do know that we are his church, right? It's not the building. It's not the pastor. It's us. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand before the Lord. Here's what he's going to say. How many, how many worship services did you start? That is not what he's going to say. How many theologians did you send out? No, 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 no. He's only going to ask one question because he only gave us one mission. How many what? How many disciples did you make? How many disciples did you make? And you don't want to sit there and say, oh, oh, Lord, you, well, you should have seen our building. You should have seen our screen. You should have seen, I mean, we, oh, my gosh, we, we can do it. You don't want to say, Lord, you should have come to one of our potlucks. Lord, you should have, hey, you should have seen, I mean, you should see how we love each other. No, 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 no. There's only one thing he's going to say. How many disciples did you make? That's what he's called us to do. He designed his church. He built his church to be a movement of multiplying disciples. And here's why. Because if we do it the way Jesus wanted it, he started the church the way he wants it. Now he wants it the way he started And if we do it that way, it will literally change the world. It will literally change the world. So um, kind of a little bit of the story about impact, tell you how that kind of happened. Because impact ministries is a, is a ministry to go to help churches and pastors figure out uh, how to become disciple-making movements. Not because we figured it out, but because we have learned a thing or two. And uh, we are, you remember that, uh, was that farmer's insurance commercial? We, we've, uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two or something like that. Uh, I forget. Yeah, I, obviously I don't know it very well, but anyway. Um, but here's what we do. We have learned a thing or two because we've been just really, really focused on it for the last 35 years. And so when, uh, when it all started for me was uh, I was uh, uh, back in my, I guess, my early years of college, and I was dating this girl who's now my wife, and she was actually going to school at West Georgia, and she was working part-time as a, a, a youth leader, a youth director at a church in Loganville, and she asked me if I would come and lead a beach retreat in Panama City, and I said, well, let me pray about that, because I, I wasn't like going into ministry or anything like that, and she said, well, we'd like for you to come, and I thought about it, I said, wait a minute, so I'm going I'm to get to spend a week at the beach with you, right? And she said, yeah, that's how it'll work, and I said, well, I think God said yes, I should go, and so <laughs> turned out good for me, because I've been with her going on 40 years this December, man, so how about that? So, uh, so it, was a, it was a pretty good retreat, but it was even better than that, because what happened is, is we had a revival, and there was all these teenagers who got saved. And I mean, radically saved. It was crazy. There was about four or five guys in that group that I knew, I knew that something had to happen because she was going back to Carrollton. She was coming back here. She was going to go to school. They were going to go back to this church. I knew what kind of church it was. I knew that these guys were going to dry up on the vine and they were going to fizzle out. And I said, I can't let that happen. Well, I didn't know what discipleship was, but I thought, you know what? Jesus did it, and I think I need to do it with these guys. And I invited all of them over to my parents' house, and we met every week in the basement of my parents' house. And we just, we just, we didn't have any curriculum. We didn't have any resources. We didn't have anything like that. We just opened God's Word. We read it together. We memorized the first chapter of the book of Philippians. We held each other accountable. We prayed for each other. We encouraged each other. And guess what? I literally watched those men's lives transform right before my very eyes. Two of them are in full-time ministry today. One of them was a church administrator for a number of years. One of them was an elder in a church that our church started in Walton County. Only one of them that I know of is not really active in church and not really pursuing the Lord. And so when I saw that happen, obviously I didn't see all that at the time, but I watched these men's lives. Those guys who were on that beach retreat that I knew that if they went back to their church, they probably were going to go right back to where they were. 
I watched those guys' lives change, and I decided at that point that I was going to continue to do that for the rest of my life. I ended up going to a church as a youth pastor. I did the exact same thing there, saw the exact same kind of results. I went there, and I went to a church in, when I was in Southwestern. I was a youth pastor at a place called Lane Prairie Baptist Church, and I ended up doing the exact same thing there. And then when I got to Crossroads, I thought, you know what? We just need to do the exact same thing here. And so I started discipling guys like this guy and like this guy. And we've been doing that for the last 35 years. And literally, literally, our church has been a laboratory. We've been a laboratory for disciple making. We're not just trying to make disciples that just go deeper and deeper and deeper. We're making disciples that go deeper so they can go wider. Because that's how you change the world. So I told you that Jesus started the disciple-making movement, the church to be a disciple-making movement, so it could change the world. And that's really what we're doing. This is what's amazing to me, is that I talk to pastors all the time, and I do some training and teaching through Impact Ministries about what this looks like, and this blows my mind. In fact, I was in a, I was in a pastor's roundtable at a church in um, Oxford, Alabama one time, and I was leading this panel, and there was about 70 or 80 pastors in the room or staff members, that kind of thing. And the guy on the panel said, can I ask a question? I said, sure. He said, how many of you in this room have ever been discipled? This is pastors. This is leaders. Less than a third of them raise their hands. You know what that's like? That's like saying that in our military, only a third of them know how to use a gun. Why are we not penetrating the darkness? Why are we not making more of a difference? Why are we not changing the world? Because we're expecting government to do it and economics to do it, education to do it, and social reform to do it. And that's never the way God intended it to be done. He intended it to be done by making disciples that begin to have the character and the conduct of Christ. And if you just do it over and over and over again, you start multiplying that, guess what will happen? Over time, you will change the world. So I want to give you a picture of this before we go. Because, uh, because here's what's going to happen. I've done this before. I know this. I've sat where you have. And let's, let's, here's what's going to happen. Is that probably in about 30 or 40 minutes from now, you're going to forget everything I said. You're going to forget everything I said. You say, well, he was a... Redneck preacher, but I forgot everything he said. <laughs> but here's what you won't do. You won't forget what you're about to see. Because I'm going to show you something. And you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I want to show you the difference between a church of multiplication and a church of addition. And so I'm going to need a couple of helps, a couple of volunteers. Justin, thanks for helping me out. Stand right over here. <laughs> Alan, thanks for helping me out. Stand right over here. He didn't know this was going to happen, but I brought him anyway, just so he'd help out. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to let this be the church of addition. Sorry, Alan. Just got to do this to you, man. And they're going to let this be the church of multiplication because he is the host pastor, and I want to make him, I want to make him look good. <laughs> and so here's what's going to happen. We're going to start on this side. So, Alan, you're committed to reaching the world, right? You will see the whole world change. So just go find somebody and bring them in uh, into the church, just anybody close by, if you will. So there you go. Oh, look at that, man. Starting the children's ministry right away. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Bring her in. I thought you were bringing the little one. All right, there you go. So we got uh, you got one over here. So over here, and this is a good guy. He loves the Lord. He's trying to do the right thing. He's not a bad guy. He's a good guy over here. You're a good guy too, right? You love the Lord. You're trying to do the right thing. So you're going to make disciples. So you go find somebody and bring them into the church, man. There you go, Justin. Working hard, buddy. Go to the front row. There we go. So uh, so over here, we got to... Well, obviously, we got a youth movement going here, but Alan, you're working hard. You're working so hard that you're not really discipling anybody, but go find somebody else and bring them in. And there you go. Bring them on into the church there, man. There you go. Very good, very good. And so over here, we got uh, Justin's doing a good job. He loves the Lord, just like Alan does. They're both good guys. They're both doing good things, but he's got time to disciple him. So both of y'all go get somebody. 
Oh, I hear that. Mm, like y'all know what's fixing to happen, don't you? Yeah, this is how you reach the world right here. Over here. So we got a good guy, man. Alan, listen, I've known this guy for 30-something years. He is such a good guy. He loves the Lord, loves his family, loves the church. He busy, 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 busy. Go find somebody, Alan. Yeah, there you go, man. Look at him. He's got a missionary heart. He's going almost around the world. There you go. All right, here we go. Now, Justin over here. Justin, Justin is just as good a guy as Alan. In fact, he loves the Lord. I've known him a long time, too. He loves his wife, loves his kids, loves his family, loves his church. Man's working hard, but he's not just working hard. He's also working smart. Sometimes we work harder, not smarter. So he's discipled him, and I don't know who you discipled, but you discipled somebody else. So all y'all go get somebody. Everybody go get somebody. Here we go. Before Jesus comes back, man. So we're reaching the world, but it's taking a long time. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. Over here, we got Alan. Alan's such a good guy. I mean, you know what? Let me tell you something. You can't find a, a guy with a heart better than Alan, right? He's got a great heart. Alan, go find somebody, man. He's, heart, he's got a good heart, but he's just busy. In fact, can I just tell you all this? Satan doesn't have to make you bad. He's just got to make you busy. Uh-oh, y'all didn't hear that. Satan doesn't have to make you bad. He's just got to make you busy, doesn't he? Busy about the wrong things, right? So over here, oh my goodness, man, look at what's happening over here. So I don't know, Justin, he's he just got a big old heart too, but he's also figured out Jesus wanted me to multiply, make more disciples. So everybody go reach somebody in record time. <laughs> oh, Justin, you got your wife. I was beginning to think, <laughs> oh my goodness. I was so praying for you, brother. Oh, my God. It was going to be a long afternoon if he didn't mention. She don't like it up here. But she didn't want to be left sitting there, I can tell you that, man. Now, I'm not, I can tell you this. I'm pretty sure I let Alan start, and so I'm going to let him even, I'm going to give you an extra turn. Go get somebody else, man. Yeah. Now, you guys realize, and we're out of time. We're, we're, we're running out of time, but you realize that if I let these guys go one or two more times, what would happen? Everybody be over here. Everybody be over here. Now, now here's what you really need to understand is that if you become, if, if Generations Church says we are going to become a church of multiplying disciples, guess what's going to happen? Is that you're going to run out of room really fast. You're going to run out of room really fast. And two services ain't going to be enough. But more important than the numbers and more important than that is all the lives that are going to be changed because somebody's teaching them how to have the character of Christ and the conduct of Christ. Because here's what I promise you is that when your character changes and your conduct changes is that that makes you a better you and that makes you a better spouse and that makes you a better parent and that makes you a better sibling. That makes you a better child. That makes you a better employee. That makes you a better church member. That makes you a better employer. That makes you a better citizen. And if you do that enough times over and over and over again, all around the world, it will change the planet. Yeah. You guys have a seat. Y'all did a great job. Y'all are amazing. Good to have you guys up here. So here's what I want to leave you with. Here's what I want to leave you with. So uh, you ever heard of a guy named Francis Chan? He's written some cool stuff, said a lot of good things. The best thing I ever heard him say is this. Is that he says, when I tell my teenage daughter to go clean her room, what do you think I mean? Clean your room. 
I don't mean go memorize, clean your room. And I don't mean go write books about cleaning your room. And I don't mean go have conferences about cleaning your room. And I don't mean go sing songs about cleaning your room. What I literally mean is clean your room. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood on a mountainside in Galilee. And here's what he said to his disciples. Go make disciples of every person in every nation in every generation. And so here's what I, I would tell you to do today. Go make disciples. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us, thank you for giving us an incredible plan to be a part of. Help us just know, or just to get where we need to be, to know what we need to do to be there, God. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would uh, just help us and help this church to be a church that the gates of hell will see us coming and know that they can't stand against us. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.